Am I close enough, Ooh. Michael? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Hi, this is Tina. And this is Mia. And you're listening to Yeah, No, the podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. Here we are. 21 episodes later. I know. It's a little bit confusing, right? Because it's episode 21, but it's season three. Yeah. So it's a little bit confusing. I can't wait till we have like 131 episodes. I know. It'll be great. (laughs) It'll be so old. So what's season three going to be like? Season three, we're going to focus on healthcare and healthcare only. In first season, we talked a lot about kind of the nuts and bolts of starting a business and the challenges that you face and what we kind of went through. And then I felt like this second season, we were talking about larger issues that exist around starting a business. And we still did some nuts and bolts stuff. And I think that that's always really interesting. But season three, we decided that we're going to focus specifically on healthcare. There's just so many new and interesting things that are going on with large non-healthcare companies and a lot of tech, right? right? So Apple, starting their own kind of wellness and health program and Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway Uh, getting together and starting their own employee health care. And then interesting partnerships, right? Like CVS and Aetna joining up and Walmart and Humana joining up. And so I think that we just thought that there was some new waves that are being created. Something is going on. It is different. It's changing. Yeah. And I think that we wanted to focus season three on that. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of things, of course, come up over our 15 years in healthcare. And I think that we also see some good and some not so good things (laughs) going on. And we wanted to just kind of, we thought that we could do a whole season on it. So we're going to try it. It's going to be a little experimental. Well, it's the same problem, right? Like if the right players aren't doing the right things in healthcare, we're going to end up in a very different place where, you know, we we do have the potential where if we don't allow patients to enter that conversation, that we will be in a place where we're letting large corporations determine what's good for us. Right. So um, I think the positive thing is that we've had so many emails. Thank you. Please keep them coming about people who are interested in doing the type of healthcare design that involves patients and doing patient-centered healthcare design. Um, we're getting emails from doctors and people in hospitals and other designers who want to know how can we make a difference. So we're going to tinker with the format a little bit, and we're always going to start with a story of health. Today, our episode is going to be focused on actually defining what stories of health are, but just share a story of health each. Okay. So are you going to start? You can go. Okay. So I was at a workshop, a design workshop at a hospital last week, and I met a man. And he was and you're young. leaving your husband for Yeah. Him. Woo! Sorry. <laughs> I'm the big man. reveal. Today's <laughs> drama. 
<laughs> well, I was going to say he was young, good looking, <laughs> you know. Um, uh -oh. And so this guy kind of stood out. He was wearing a red tracksuit. He kept his headphones around his neck the whole time. You know, we were there for three hours. And um, he was a patient, a regular patient of this hospital clinic. And it required him to come back for multiple appointments. What we were there to do was come up with some solutions to improve the clinic. There were, you know, staff people, receptionists, even director level people and clinicians. And people were chatting because, of course, there's tons of problems, right? There's there's um, nothing to do in the waiting room. There's, you know, lack of resources. The doctors are super stressed out. There's no time. There's anxiety of not knowing how long you're going to have to wait to get to your appointment. And so this young man came. He was late. And so he kind of stood back and was pretty quiet through most of the initial discussion. And then he introduced himself and he had a very heavy French accent. And so everyone kind of just assumed that he was just kind of, you know, wouldn't say much. And so finally he spoke and he's like, do you know what the problem is? And he said, the problem is I get a phone call to remind me of my appointment. And the phone rings, and it's a number I don't recognize, and I don't answer it. And then it goes to voicemail, and I check my voicemail, and it says, you have an appointment coming up, please call back. And when I push the redial, the number doesn't work. And so then the, the doctors were like, maybe he, he doesn't understand what that message is, because he said saying this all kind of in a little bit broken English. So they're like, do you know that that's a, a reminder for your appointment? You know, and they were just kind of thinking that he didn't really understand what the whole messaging was. Yeah, because to get the, him. the called the callback number, the number that comes in is like a filtered number. Yeah. And so they, they kept asking for clarification. They were like, who, does he not know who who's calling him? Maybe I like it. Hospital, right. They think it's his fault. Right, right, right. And then he's like, do you know what it's supposed to be for? And he laughs and he's like, when someone calls me and I don't pick up, I should be able to hit retail right. and call someone. And then they were just like, ah, and all the light bulbs right. went off. And they were like, oh, yeah, we don't have a phone number to call back. The recording doesn't have a phone number to access the hospital. And that number that calls you is a deadline. Right. It's, right? A, it's only a one-way line. It's a generic number, right. And I was just thinking like, okay, so this is a healthcare problem, right? But it's also just a human problem, right? right? Nobody picks up the phone when it's an unknown number. Right. So you always let it go to voicemail. Right. You have to write down the phone number that it says out loud and then yeah. call back that number. It's you so can't just hit a, hit the button. That's right. I think it's hilarious because people don't think across experiences. I bet right. you those doctors have experienced that before, whether it's from an airline or it's from a bank or it's from your grocer. And yet they just completely think that it's the patient's fault when they're just kind of like, oh, do you understand that you're not supposed to call? It's like, do you understand you've done that in Maybe other parts of your life? he doesn't understand what an appointment reminder is. Right. You know? Right. It's healthcare. It's really hard <laughs> to understand. And I think that we always are doing that in our work. We're trying to think of analogous right. experiences so that there's a familiarity across that, right? Because right. People tend to want to think healthcare has to always be something new. Oh, right. this is a new a new phone system. Yeah, that's right. You don't call back that number. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't work. Good story. Yeah. So my story 
recently we just did research with RA patients, rheumatoid arthritis patients. And rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition that is similar to arthritis, but the autoimmune is when your immune system attacks your body and it attacks your joints. And so your joints start to disintegrate. And we were just doing some research with women from all over the country. And one woman, you know, salt of the earth, you know, she had a great personality, you know, very strong, uh, you know, had a good articulate way of speaking. And so we're sitting and we were really breaking down her morning. So she's like, I get up, I, you know, go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth. She tells me about these kind of things that are in her bathroom that help her, you know, good, like a grip for her her toothbrush. And she goes, she gets a, a bag of treats for her dog. She moves the bag of treats and she puts them into this Tupperware and they sipped off the edges of the Tupperware thing so that she can open it easily. You know, so she's telling me all these things that she's adapted in her life. So I was like, oh, this is really interesting. So she goes and she says, oh, you know, and then I, I usually wait for Vi to wake up, her, her roommate, because her roommate doesn't wake up until after she does. So I sit right. in the kitchen and I make my coffee and I, you know, I read the paper. I wait for Vi to wake up and then I pack a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, we're in testing, right? So I'm sitting there going, cool. I had to just be cool about this. <laughs> so I was like, <clears throat> tell, like a bowl of. Uh, tell me more. <laughs> Cornflakes? Yeah. So she, you know, she proceeds to tell me about how, you know, she basically smokes weed every day. Right. Of course. She's in pain. She's in pain. And she tells me about this terrible opioid addiction that she used to have a year ago. She was on three pills a day for almost three years. It was killing her. Yeah. And and she said, I'm going to get off these drugs no matter what. So she got on to a different drug, uh, which was... Marijuana. It was just amazing because this, you know, this woman was probably late 50s, early 60s, right. said that she never smoked weed, but it, somebody suggested it to her. And then that's how she self-medicates. And so then she says, Vi wakes up and says, time to medicate. She goes, yep. And then they smoke their bowl. Together? Yeah. Her and Vi? Yes, both. Wow. And, um, I and then, she loves Vi. So she smokes it in the morning and then she smokes it at night and she's good. Yeah. It's like the life workarounds that we're always looking for yeah. in these stories of health. There's a program on NPR right now called um, Support for Your Health, and it's a partnership with Kaiser. And they're they're having people send in their hospital bills. And the one that was on this morning was this woman who was in Oklahoma. She had osteoarthritis, and she needed a surgery on her foot. And she got a bill that was over $100,000, and she asked for an itemized bill. You know, you are so good about this. Whenever we go out to eat, you always check the bill to make sure we don't get charged for something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just, oh, you got to check, man. I know. I know. One time I went to the food co-op and I got charged $22 for grapes. Right. And I realized that they charged me four times. <laughs> anyway. So this woman, she got her bill, and she was charged $15,000 for four screws. And the woman from Kaiser was like, there's no marketplace for medical equipment like that. So they can charge whatever they want. And I was thinking these stories of health are so important because this is how people realize that there's a problem. Right. Right? So thinking about stories of health, what is the story of health? Yeah, so as we're defining a story of health as, you know, something that comes originally from the user. And that can be a doctor, or it can be a nurse, or it can, oftentimes for us, it's a patient. And it is a story that provides an opportunity for us to find insight 
or to discover an unmet need. And that story gives us context. It gives us a background. And we find that the value of them is that oftentimes we just don't get the opportunity to understand where an insight or an unmet need is coming from. We just distill it down into the actual insight. And we found that when we talk to the people that we're working with, clients, you know, even doctors to kind of tell them from their patient's perspective what they're experiencing, when we give them that context and background that a story provides, they're able to really connect with that insight or that need more. And so the value that we've found that it's bringing to our collaborators is that they can really understand all of the background and contextual information that's important to know when you're hearing an insight or you're hearing an unmet need. So how have we been using it? It has value. I mean, we've we've definitely seen that people like the stories. Always the marker of a good story, right, is when we hear them saying it back to us right. or we hear them using that story again. Yeah, and the way that we've been using it is in workshops, for example, where groups of internal teams will read over these stories. And we've been working with a writer to write these stories so that they're even better. And in the workshops, people review the stories and they are given an opportunity to try to uncover the unmet need themselves and try and see what the insights are across different stories. We've also been using them in research with patients sharing stories that are similar to themselves. Sometimes it's hard to think of how you can help yourself, especially if you're not someone who feels that they need support. And it's easier to kind of say, oh, this is how I would help others. And so we've been using it in that way so that they can kind of apply what they know um, in order to support somebody else. And we've also just been using it in our, our communication and saying, you know, these are the stories that we've gathered. Here's what's interesting about them. And as we continue to collect these stories of health, I think that we are starting to think about what will we do with them in aggregate. I mean, the power of telling the story in some ways is that we don't we don't always get time to reflect and that there is something self-reflective about storytelling that helps to process complexity in a way that's pretty easy and that you can communicate to someone else. And you and I, I think... We've always been interested in narrative ever since whatever graduate school. school. Yeah. Um, And I think in some ways, both of us before that as well, just even growing up. And so what is the value of narrative? I think there are three things that we've identified around storytelling that are particularly relevant for stories of health. One is that they make a connection. So there is something inherent in the story where you, it's familiar, right? You feel like you know that person or that situation might have happened to you. So you can make that instant connection. I think they're also revealing in that they might tell you something you you never knew before or that you have a discovery or you feel something you've never felt before. I also think that there is a familiarity in this as well where It may be so obvious, right? Like the thing that you discover is like so clear. 
Like there's nothing profound about somebody not picking up their cell phone if they don't recognize the number. And it just hits you like, oh, yeah, that's the problem, right? right. It's so obvious. Right. Um, but hearing it back in the context of a story helps point that out to you. And then there are also, I think, the detail level in our stories. We've always been very stress that a good story is not just like here's a lady and she has this problem and you know here's how she resolved it but there's a level of visual detail in it where you've got to add I mean that's just good storytelling in general that there are words and and things that you want to evoke through descriptive adjectives right that sounds so boring it's I feel like detail is such a small word for such a large thing but and it's special details. I right? don't think it's like idiosyncratic, but I do think it's the descriptors, right? So your guy, you know, young, headphones, tracksuit. I can see that guy. I've seen that guy in my everyday <laughs> life. I probably saw him on the train on the way over here. And so that already kind of sets a level of expectation or understanding of who that person is. Those little details, I think, is what makes a human a human. I think that that level of detail is often lost, especially in the work that we do, because we want to tend to generalize so we can get to the point faster. But sometimes the point gets lost right. when we get to it faster because we haven't told you anything in the background. Right. And I think that that's what those stories are really valuable for. Right. Where do you think that we are aiming for with stories of health? One of the things that we've been cognizant of is that stories like you were saying, narrative has always played a big role. So we've been really trying to integrate it and figure out what makes it special and what makes a story of health a story of health versus just a, a narrative. We have to learn how to partner with patients in new ways. And I also think that the stories of health can be a bridge where they're sharing people's experiences in order to show what is going on within healthcare? It becomes a, a different type of tool. We're used to doing research where we ask somebody or we pay somebody to give feedback and to participate in that way and say, like, here's, tell us what you think of this. But I do think that there is self-advocacy that happens. And when these stories are collected, they will help us understand what people are going through in, in a different way, that it will become more of a partnership. Right. And so thinking about our trajectory moving forward, our goal is to bring in these stories of health in as much as we can, and also to be able to transform the stories into action. Because most of the times when patients are hearing other patients' stories, right. what they're listening for are tips or tricks. But then actually putting those tips and tricks into action can be challenging. And I think it's the same thing goes for client work or it goes for hospital work or anything that we're doing is how do you actually take that story and create it into an action? I don't know what that looks like, though. I mean, I've been struggling with this. What are we going to do with this? And where does it live? Yeah, I think that that's one of our challenges moving forward is we need to think about not only where it lives, but then also how people access that and right. what are they going to do with it. With healthcare, because we are so metrics focused, what are we going to use as a metric for success yeah. for that? That's right. Right. 
because it's qualitative. So it's soft, you know, and it may change somebody's mindset. But how do we know it's really making a difference? And there's a couple of thorny things about this. One is privacy. Right. You know, healthcare is so focused around privacy. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. And is it stories of health or is it and this isn't a punchy title by any means, but a story of navigating healthcare. And I think it's one of those things that it would be good for us to explore is, you know, people aren't really defined by their disease or their medication or their issue, but there's a big impact to their lives and their quality of life. And should we be focused on how they're navigating the healthcare system versus stories of who I am because I have RA or who I am because I've got, you know, a medical issue. I don't see stories of health as being in a negative way, though. I think I see Not in a negative way, but the focus of the story. The focus of the story being that it's on something difficult? Because well, I don't think I don't think right if we talk about the woman smoking a bowl, that story of health is not necessarily. It's I don't think it's a it's a bad thing. That's how she's adopted her life, right? And yes, it's because she has RA. But again, it's not like oh, it's so terrible. I have to smoke weed because I have RA. Right. It's just that's how I. It's like I've gotten older, you know, like on a personal level, right? I've gotten older and I've stopped wearing heels because I need to wear flats. Right. And I could think of it one way as I gave up and I'm not going to wear heels anymore. Or I could look at it another way and say, I wear flats so that I can run around with my kid because if I'm wearing heels, I can't. Right. And so it's, I think it's a perspective of whether you're, you're enabling yourself or you're giving up. Yeah. But I I guess it's like where I get hung up a little bit is we don't want to fix you right we don't want to say like tina's got a problem with her feet and what are we going to do about her feet it's really that we've never really considered the things that you want to do that you're i don't know i guess i'm i'm kind of torn between like thinking about what you can't do and framing all these stories kind of around what you're unable to do versus like what is it about healthcare needs to change in order to make sure that your needs are met? Yeah, I think it's I think it's both though, because the challenge is is that if we wait for healthcare to change, I could be wearing heels forever. So it's also about what can I do myself in order to facilitate that in the short term. Right. And I think a story of health is just that. It can be about whatever. Our health is not just our disease. We know that. It's my mental health. It's my emotional health. It's all those things. And I think that we have to start to frame up those things in the right way. Right. But the story in and of itself, we should allow the story to live the way that the story was told in the best way. Yeah. And so I do agree. I mean, I think that we have to ensure that the framing is correct, but it's not necessarily about navigation. Yeah. I guess, you know, a story of health could be about your disease or it could be about your living life with the disease or your having to deal with the things that you have to deal with as a result of having this. Any of those things. Yeah. But I do think it needs, like, if if we're going to, like, move forward with the stories of health, we do need to figure out what is that line. 
You know, it's not a clinical story. It's really a, a human story that right. has a health element in right. it. Right. But we've never told a, a clinical story. No, but I think when you say he, stories of health, some people will think it's a medical story. Maybe. I don't know. We have been talking about people in healthcare, but I don't think anybody's ever questioned whether or not it's a clinical story. Like they've never said, oh, so is it just about their disease? Right. I think the word story feels non-clinical to me and right. health, you know, is an interpretive term. Right. So can we do this by telling stories? Is that I, what we're going to find out? I think that that's what, we're, that's what we're aiming for. That's our North Star, right, is that we want to be able to find a way to scale these stories in a way that will um, drive that impact and get people to start thinking differently about the way people manage their health. Yeah, it's like the moth for healthcare. Totally. You, you know could how, be Ira Glass. Now you're just mixing up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's like this American life. The moth is like somebody, somebody totally different. What I like about this is that you are probably the best storyteller I know. Oh, thanks. So I have high expectations for you. Thanks. The now, bar is high. So does everyone else. <laughs> I appreciate it. When I come in, they're going to be like, mm, that story yeah. was terrible. Yeah. But we're going to trade off stories. This season's going to be great. We're going to tackle some of the privacy issues that might exist for these stories, for example. Right. We're going to look at marginalized stories like yeah. women's health, uh, mental health, some stuff that has some stigma around it that we need to address yeah. in our healthcare stories. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season, so stay tuned. Please consider subscribing to Yeah No. If you like what you hear, leave us some feedback and a review. We like reviews and feedback. You can reach us on the web at Yeah No Podcast or on Instagram. Our theme song is written and performed by Chess Smith. This episode is edited and produced by Tori Flack. And recorded at the amazing Figure 8 Studios here in Brooklyn with Michael P. Coleman. Stay tuned for the next episode. More stories, more us, more, yeah, no, more, 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 bye. Bye.